called my sermon title today, In the Fast Lane. Pretty good, eh? I'm a dad, so I got lots of dad jokes, lots of puns. Alright, Matthew 6, verse 16 to 18. Jesus is talking to his disciples here, and he says, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head, or shampoo, take a shower, uh, and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So, Jesus is talking about fasting here. And I recognize that there's many of us in our congregation who are at different stages in their faith journey. There's some of us who know what fasting is, who practice it regularly. There's some of us who may be new to it and may be asking, why, why does God want us to give up food? Why would He want us to do that? It doesn't make any sense. So I want to give us just a broad overview of fasting. What is it? What does it actually look like? And then we'll talk about kind of the heart of fasting. Um, why does God invite us into it? So, what is fasting? Going on a diet so you can look good. No. Wait, that's not right. The ability to run at very high speeds. Run to fast, fast people. Nope, that's not it. Sorry guys, I'm really bad here. I don't know what I'm doing. Not going on social media. Nope, that's not it. Fasting is voluntarily abstaining from food for spiritual purposes. This is kind of the basic definition of what fasting actually is. Um, not fasting to lose weight, I'm sorry. If that's your motivation, just go to the gym. Uh, there's, there's lots of different reasons why we may give up food for certain periods of time, but typically this is a practice that's done for spiritual purposes, and it always has to involve food. Um, we recognize uh, that there's, there's, it's important to give up other things in life at certain points, right? So for our fast, we're encouraging you to also give up technology uh, to fast and focus on your finances as well. And so we're, we recognize that it's important to, to abstain from other things in life, but fasting biblically always has to do with food. Okay? So there are three main types of fasts that we see in the scriptures. Oh, sorry. That's a picture of me from my last fast. Just thought that would be funny. I don't know why I put that in there. So there's three main types of fasts that we see in scripture. We see the, the water-only fast. And almost every time you see that word fasting in the Bible, it's talking about the water-only fast. So you're giving up food and you're just drinking water. Um, this is likely what Jesus is talking about here in this passage. We also see other kinds of fasts. We see one called the Daniel fast. So obviously this has to do with Daniel. In the book of Daniel, how many times can I say Daniel. Uh, Daniel decided that he was going to give up certain delicacies in his life. So Daniel, for a period of time, said, I'm not going to eat meat, I'm not going to drink wine, I'm going to give up these kind of delicacy foods that, that are offered to me, and I'm just going to eat a very simple, basic diet. So that's another kind of fast that we see in Scripture. And his purpose in this was to seek the Lord. It, it wasn't just to go on a diet again. <laughs> it was to seek the Lord. Then we also see... Oh, we also see a fast called the absolute fast. And this is fasting from food and water, which I do not recommend. Okay, Because the human body can only last about three days without water. 
So any example that we see of the absolute fast in Scripture has to do with really, really dire circumstances. So for example, in the book of Esther, uh, the Jewish nation was basically, uh, the king gave an edict that basically said, we can wipe out this entire Jewish nation. And so Esther says, tell everyone to fast from food and water, and so I can approach the king. So they did it for three days. So obviously this was dire circumstances. Their entire nation was about to be wiped out. So um, for our fast this week, we would probably encourage you not to do that because uh, it's, it's quite dangerous on the body. All right, what else? How and who? So when we're fasting, we see from Scripture that fasting was a regular discipline for people. So in the life of Jesus, uh, the Jewish people, when Jesus was around, the, the Jewish people fasted two days a week. And we see from many early church documents that the early church also fasted two days a week. Who is challenged by that? <laughs> Who is shocked by that? Really? They gave up food for two days a week? I don't think I could do that. They, it was, they often did it frequently. And these were just day fasts. But they also uh, had a more extended fasts, like we're doing this week. Uh, another story is Jesus. Before he went into his ministry, he fasted for 40 days. So we see in Scripture that there's regular continual fasting and there's also more extended fasts. Okay? Fasts can be private or communal. So the fast that Jesus is talking about in this passage is private. He's saying when you're fasting regularly, don't go re- celebrating it and telling everyone, look at me, I'm so spiritual. He's saying do it privately because then, then God will, it'll show God that you're actually fasting for him. You're not just doing it to be praised by other people. We also see in scripture that communal fasts were done. So uh, whole bodies of people would fast together in the Old Testament and the New Testament, just like we're doing this coming week. So these are just kind of characteristics of fasts just for us to, to think about. Now, the big question is why? Why does God want us to give up food? I want to go to McDonald's after this or Swiss Chalet. Why would God want me to give up food? Okay, so there's a number of reasons that we see in scripture. One example is to, to seek God's direct intervention or to make an appeal to God. So what do I mean by that? There are many stories in Scripture where someone is either in a, a very dire situation and they need God's direct intervention in order to, to save their life or to, to make things right. And that story of Esther, like I said, was one example where the Jewish nation was about to be wiped out and they were in a desperate situation where they said, God... We're going to die unless you intervene directly. And so God invites us to pray for things as well in this kind of way. If we're in a situation in our life where we're desperately in need of the Lord, we can fast and seek him and increase the fervency of our prayers as we fast and say, Lord, I'm crying out to you with everything I have. Would you intervene in this situation? This is kind of a tool in our prayer tool belt when we're, when we're seeing a situation that's dire, that's serious. We can cry out to God with, with fasting and prayer. Uh, one of my favorite, I just, this is my new favorite, one of my new favorite stories in scripture is King Ahab. Do you guys know King Ahab from the Old Testament? King Ahab was one of the worst kings in Israel's history. The Bible says that. It says, there was never anyone like Ahab who sold himself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord, urged on by Jezebel, his wife. We probably remember Jezebel, right? He behaved in the vilest manner by going after idols like the Amorites the Lord drove out before Israel. 
It says that in 1 Kings, that Ahab was basically the worst king they had in Israel. So he, what are some of the things he did? He tore down some of the altars to God. He put up new altars to foreign gods. He killed innocent people in order to take their land. Whatever you can think of that was horrible, he probably did it. So he was not a good guy. And so what happened in 1 Kings 21, verse 20 to 29, uh, it tells the story that Ahab stole a piece of property from this guy and killed him. He said, I really like that vineyard. It's got nice wine. I'm going to kill this guy off and take his property. And so he did that. Horrible. A horrible thing to do. And so, <clears throat> so Elijah comes to him and basically pronounces judgment on him from God. So God speaks through Elijah and says, uh, what does he say? He says a bunch of things. Dogs will devour Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. Dogs will eat those belonging to Ahab who die in the city and the birds who feed on those who die in the country. Uh, very heavy pronouncement of judgment on him. And then look what happens here. I don't think I have it on the screen, but look what happens here. It says, when Ahab heard these words, he tore his clothes, he put on sackcloth and he fasted and he laid in sackcloth and went around meekly. And notice what God does here. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite. Have you noticed how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself, I will not bring this disaster in his day, but I will bring it on his house in the days of his son. Isn't that crazy? Ahab was one of the worst people in the world. And God said, Because he fasted and humbled himself before me, I won't pour out judgment on him. I'll, do it. I'll pour it out later. God has, isn't that crazy, the compassion of the Lord? It also shows us the significance of humbling ourselves and this practice of fasting, how fasting is a way of humbling ourselves before God. I love that story. It's just such a testament to God's grace and his mercy that this person that scripture says is the worst king ever, God is willing to have grace towards him. So cool. All right, so... We can fast to seek God's direct intervention or to make an appeal to God. Fasting is also linked in Scripture with freeing the captives. Freeing the captives. Uh, there's a story in the New Testament where uh, Jesus' Jesus's disciples are trying to cast a demon out of someone. And so they go to the, this person and they try. They probably saw the way Jesus did it and they tried the same thing and it didn't work. And they said, Jesus, what's going on? We... we did the same thing that you're doing and it didn't work. And Jesus says, firstly, he says, it's because of your lack of faith. And then he also says, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. So there's something about fasting that has spiritual implications. Something about fasting increases maybe our authority. I don't know if that's the best word to use, but it inc the Lord honors it by increasing our spiritual power and authority in him. And so... Uh, very significant. If someone is suffering from demonization, we don't like to talk about this very much because it makes us feel nervous, but this is a ministry that the Lord has called his church into. As we heard from these stories of oppressed free, that's the heart of God. If we see people who are oppressed and we're, we're I don't want to go near them, that's not the heart of the Lord. The Lord has given us this calling to set the, the captives free through him. So, Fasting is one way that we grow in this ability and the Lord grows us in this, this ability to set the oppressed free. We can also fast for revelation from the Holy Spirit. Uh, there's, 
there's a story in the New Testament where all the disciples are fasting together and it says the Holy Spirit spoke to them and said, set apart for me Paul and Barnabas for the work that I've called them to do. So it was during this time where they were all collectively fasting together that God uh, revealed something very specific to them. He spoke to them in a very clear way. So we can also fast to seek revelation from God. Another kind of byproduct of fasting is to subdue the flesh. We don't like to do this. But I see people doing this all the time. When I, when I see people running and jogging at like sub minus 50 temperature degrees outside, where's Derek? <laughs> Maybe it's you <laughs> and Tammy. They're some of those people that are out jogging really, really cold. But this is another form of discipline, isn't it? It's not fun going out there and running, is it? Maybe. It is? Okay. I don't know. <laughs> Working out and these kind of things are forms of self-discipline where we're, we're subduing our, our body and our natural inclinations, isn't it? So it's, maybe it's, it's probably most of our natural tendency to just want to eat and eat and eat salty stuff and eat McDonald's and, and eat chips. But there's an element of self-discipline to working out, but also to fasting. And scripturally, we are in this tension between our flesh and the, Holy, and the Spirit in us. And this is a tension that we wrestle with even after we receive Christ. That we're wrestling with the flesh at times. That our flesh wants to do worldly things. It wants to be drawn back into sin. It wants to fall into lust. It wants to uh, gorge ourselves on food. And the things of the Spirit are often in tension with the flesh. They they're, they're often have to do with holiness, resisting the, the desires of the flesh. So there's this tension here that we all have to walk through. Fasting is a way that we can, we can subdue the flesh. And now all of this can be summarized or summed up in fasting being a way of humbling ourselves before God. If we are seeking God's direct intervention but we're going around and, and telling everyone, look how good I am that I'm fasting. God's not going to honor that. God's not going to desire that. If we're going around to free the captives and we want to set people free, but, but we're so full of pride that we don't want to follow God and we, we don't care about what he, his commands are, God's not going to honor that. The whole purpose of fasting is to humble ourselves. The whole purpose of fasting is to humble ourselves. And this is why Jesus is so strong in this passage we just read. Because the, the Pharisees and other religious leaders are basically fasting to elevate themselves and to be prideful. It's the exact opposite of what fasting is intended to do. So they're fasting and saying, look at me, celebrate me because I'm so spiritual. I'm fasting, I'm better than all of you. And Jesus is saying, the whole purpose of fasting is to humble yourself. And you've made it about pride. You've made it about yourself. And so he says, here's a test. Do it and don't tell anyone. Fast and don't tell anyone. And I'm going to tell you, that kind of sucks, to be honest. We want, I fasted before and I want people to affirm my fast. It's just a natural, I don't know, I struggle, I guess. But we want affirmation. We want people to look at us and say, oh, wow, you fasted? That's impressive. You, you must be very spiritual. And... Uh, Jesus challenges, uh, challenges us on this and says that's not what it is, it's about at all. It's all about humbling yourself before the Lord. So that's why I've summarized all of these things in humbling ourselves. 
That's the purpose, the main purpose of fasting. In Psalm 35, verse 13, it's just a very simple verse where David says, I put on sackcloth and I humbled myself with fasting. And if you look at many other examples in Scripture of fasting, that word humbled is often right beside it. That God invites us into fasting to humble ourselves. And I think there's sometimes when growth, when we're trying to grow in the things of the Spirit, we're trying to grow in righteousness and grow in our faith, and I feel like sometimes it's just, there's, it's hard. Like, what are the practical ways I can just have lots of faith in my life? Uh, there's some ways of growing in our faith that's hard. But with, when it comes to humility, God has given us a practical, basically a gift to us. And he says, this is a practical way that you can actually humble yourself. If you struggle with pride, um, it might be a hard thing to overcome. But God says, here's something you can actually take control of and step into that will humble you. So I love, I love that fasting is so practical and it's something that we can step into. All right. Let's read Isaiah 58. I hope that's not too small. But if you have your Bibles, flip to this passage because we're going to read uh, quite a lot of it. Isaiah 58. It's, this is the Lord speaking to Israel. And he's basically similar to what Jesus just did. He's looking at Israel and saying, you guys are fasting, but you're, you got it all wrong. You got it all mixed up. Your heart is not in the right place at all. So this is what the Lord says. Shout it aloud. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Notice fasting and humility there. And you have not noticed. Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and you exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fasting I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? It is, is it only for bowing your head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, and to break every yoke. Again, setting the oppressed free. Is it not to share your food with the hungry, to provide the poor wanderer with shelter, when you see the naked to clothe them, and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then, listen to these promises, then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, Here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land or a snowy land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden like a spring whose waters never fail. 
Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be, you will be called repair of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, then if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord and I will cause you to ride in the triumphs on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Woe! Whoa, wow. What's the heart of the Lord here? Feel free to share. What, what did you notice here? What's God's heart for his people? Justice. Justice, yeah. Sorry? Love? Love, yes. True selfless love. Obedience, Obedience yeah, to his scriptures and his commands. Anything else? Feeding the hungry, yeah, helping the poor, very practical. Humility, yeah, these are all, this is the kind of humility that the Lord is calling us into, and this is the kind of fasting that the Lord is calling us into. Like I said, if we're fasting and we're not, our heart is not aligned with these things, that is not going to be honorable to the Lord. He's not going to be pleased with it. I've been cranky when I've fasted before. I've said things to my wife that are not nice while I've been fasting. The hanger is real. It's a real thing. And that's not what the Lord desires of us. He doesn't desire that of us. He's not pleased with that. So, He wants you to be healed of that. Exactly. And the way that the Lord heals us is, by, is when we come to Him humbly. That's really what repentance and confession is, right? We come to the Lord and we say, Lord... I'm not worthy. I, I screw up all the time. These are my sins. Please help me and cleanse me. And then the Lord forgives us and cleanses us. He doesn't, he doesn't just like help us become, <laughs> I can't think of the words, but, but the way the Lord transforms us is by when we humble ourselves. So it's the same with fasting. Notice all the promises that come along with having that kind of heart. Your light will break forth. God says healing will come in your life. Direct protection from Him. Answered prayer. Guidance from Him. He will satisfy your needs. He will give you strength. He will give you joy. That's a lot of promises in Scripture. That's a lot of of promises. So, when we fast, this is really the heart of fasting, that we humble ourselves before the Lord and we seek to, to follow Him. We seek to obey Him. We seek to love others and do justice. This is all part of the heart of fasting. Okay, now if you don't believe me on any of this, I want to give you some examples from history. Sorry, I'm still hitting puberty. Not there yet. Okay, some examples from history. The early church. There's an early church document called the Didache. And this was written around somewhere between 70 and 150 A.D., and so this is right after the time of Jesus, right after uh, his, his, I'm sure some of his apostles were around this time. And, and in this document, it says that the early church fasted weekly on Wednesdays and Fridays. Remember the two days a week thing that we were all shocked by? That happened there. Augustine, he was around 354 to 430 A.D., 
and he says that he fasted weekly on Wednesdays and Fridays. And all who were a part of the Augustinian order did the same thing. They followed his example as well. And he's really just drawing this from church history. Uh, he's seeing the way that the church has done this regularly throughout church history, and, and he's embodying it as well. Another big name, John Wesley. He was in the 18th, around in the 18th century AD. And John Wesley wouldn't ordain anyone unless they fasted two days a week. <laughs> if we had this in our credentialing process. He said he wouldn't ordain people unless they fasted two days a week. Isn't that crazy? Doesn't this show you that maybe we're missing something? Maybe we're missing something. When in our church context, I'm not talking just about Trinity, but just in the Western church, fasting is rare. We, we do not do this regularly. Maybe that's a judgment. I don't know. I, I don't want to judge anyone. But, but in my experience, it's, it's quite rare for us to have this kind of discipline in fasting. So I hope that challenges you. And I encourage you to, if you want to test me on this, look up any big name that you can think of in church history. Martin Luther. Uh, who else? John Calvin. Think of all these big names that we think of when we think of church history. And I can almost guarantee you that all of them had fasting as a part of their spiritual disciplines. Regular, routine fasting. So I hope that challenges you in a good way. I don't want to make you feel guilty. But let that challenge you to, to start to make this a, a regular practice in your life.